0: Welcome to AgTech Innovators, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria.
1: There's the old adage of walk a mile in someone's shoes. Maybe it should also be the mantra when it comes to supporting startups. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and arguably this is the perspective of the guest I have today in the AgTech Innovators studio. Guy Franklin. He's a venture partner with Scalata Ventures. Guy, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, Drew. Guy, I've been looking forward to our chat because you've really trod the path of developing your own tech venture. And it was to do with mobile phones in the early days and video. And what, what did you do?
0: Yeah, it was. I guess my journey in ag tech has started, you know, as a founder. And we developed a very early wireless video streaming product, and uh, this was to solve a problem for actually a a commercial flower grower in regional Victoria. And that product allowed us to essentially raise money and and commercialise, and we found that the application for that product actually is quite broad. Allowing us to stream video from remote locations across the country meant that we started opening up opportunities for people who were in remote areas to be able to receive support from people in other parts of the country or around the world. So we ended up spending a lot of time with farmers and I guess support services like veterinarians for farmers and spent a lot of time at field days talking to to farming groups. So that was a really interesting part of the journey. That was through the early 2000s when the technology was very basic, very rudimentary and connectivity wasn't what it is today. Now it's kind of commonplace to have you know video on your phone uh, back then, we were we were just starting that journey,
1: Guy. That must have given you a really detailed insight to not only solving a problem for one person, but then trying to grow that as a business from there on.
0: It's one of the challenges when starting a company and having a technology solution that is broadly applicable is that you end up not focusing on one particular area and you you sort of start solving you know everyone's problems all over the place not something i'd necessarily recommend that startup founders starting companies now do and, and i would always recommend that you focus on one thing first but it did give us a really broad range of experience into the different industries and understanding what some of the challenges were going into those industries and and how we could solve their problems and, and also what the barriers to actually technology adoption were at the time. You said there, that's
1: not the sort of advice you give somebody now. And that's a salient point because you've got a role now with a venture capital firm, Scalata, and your role is venture partner. So what's Scalata do and what's your role within that?
0: So we're an early stage investment company that invests in startups that are at the pre-seed and seed stage. So really basically getting them up to the Series A level of investment capability. And what that means is that we invest capital and we also invest time. And so we invest a smaller amount of money upfront and then we work with the individual companies for around six to 12 months. And during that time, we look at what their funding milestones need to be and we plan for that and then we can provide follow-on funding at that stage. And we find that really at this early stage of startup life, the founder capability and their competency is uh, one of the most deciding factors on whether they're going to be successful. And so we want to spend as much time with them ensuring that they're thinking about all the things that they need to think about, putting all the systems and processes in place of their business so they're ready for when they get further down the track and, and larger amounts of investment injected into them.
1: I just want to take one step back before we drill down a little bit more in that evaluation process. But I'm getting the impression, though, that with your organisation, it's very important that many of the people in there have actually walked the walk so that they can relate to people in their own startup journey. Or am I being a bit simplistic there?
0: Uh, No, not at all. We see different types of founders. So, you know, there's first-time founders and then there's second or third-time founders and, and they all have different needs and requirements. We find that having people in the organization who have done this before can really provide that empathetic experience to the founder and really try and shine a a spotlight on areas that they might be missing within their business and really helping them understand what it takes to become a successful company that is going to grow quickly into a large market opportunity.
1: What are some of the key trends and drivers you're seeing in the ag tech industry at the moment, and how do they influence your own investment decisions?
0: Yeah, I think that everything these days needs to be with ag tech, needs to be looked at through a lens of climate change. Every industry is affected by climate change, and particularly ag tech. But when we're looking at any business, we're always looking for the fundamentals of what a solid business looks like. And the solid businesses are businesses that understand their customer, have identified a problem that just absolutely must be solved in a market that's sizable enough. So those three fundamentals need to be addressed. So we look at every opportunity like that, you know, they've got to be close to the problem or spend a lot of time. With the customer. They need to be absolutely obsessed with the problem that they want to solve. And this problem must be solved. And what I mean by must be solved, somebody needs to be willing to pay for that problem to be solved. And then we really look for the founders who have validated these assumptions that they've made. So they've, you've got a problem, they've thought of a way to solve that problem, and then they've gone out and they're actually interacting with these customers deeply and regularly to make sure that what they are actually building to solve that problem is fit for purpose. And that's just a fundamental stage that every startup is, regardless of industry.
1: What problem are you trying to solve is such a crucial yet obvious question. So following on from that, are there other factors that you consider important when making an investment? Or is it really just come back to those three key
0: points? That's sort of like the basis of what we look for. We also, you know, you've got to look at founder competence. So, you know, at this stage of startup life, we look for founders who are capable, who take on feedback, respond to feedback, and ask for feedback. Because, you know, we want self aware founders. They know that they don't know everything. We don't know everything. And what we're doing is we're on this journey to actually find out where the opportunity lies. But there's also some technical things that we want to make sure. We want to make sure that they're looked at the competition, made sure that this hasn't been done, you know, 50 times before. We'd love to see founders who have technical capabilities in the business. It just makes it so much easier to do multiple cycles of testing and iteration and ensuring that your product is fit for purpose. We want to make sure that they have a pathway and a line of sight to profitability or break even. So high growth businesses can either grow through continually raising money and sort of putting off the point where they need to be actually making money. We like to see businesses that can see how they could make money and how they could become profitable. And not necessarily that they will become profitable in the timeframe that we're there with them, but maybe it's a future state. But we need that they know that they can eventually get there. So we're looking for some financial fundamentals as well. And On that point, we need companies to really think about how they're going to sustain themselves during a cycle where funding is actually harder to get at the moment. And when you're starting a business and you're trying to find the customer proposition and you're trying to find how you're going to sell to that customer, we really want to make sure that they're able to keep the business alive long enough to be able to go through multiple iterations of this cycle so that they are there for when the opportunity actually arises. So generally, we look for around 12 to 18 months of cash flow runway to be able to uh, take that time to find the opportunity.
1: There's a lot going on in that evaluation process and and I think that's probably an understatement. I mean, this is about risk management as well for your investors probably first and foremost and also because you you generally are invested in the people you're working with as well. So what are some of the key risks and challenges that you look for in, in startups?
0: Look, the key risk for any investor is that the company will fail you know we're investing other people's money into a business and we want to make the best investment decisions that we possibly can you know us investing in startups that fail we do know that this is the nature of the startup world most companies will actually not make it and so there is an approach where we need a broad and large portfolio of businesses to ensure that we can return investment back to our investors but that being said, during this phase, we are trying to do everything to assess those risks of this company not actually succeeding. And those sorts of risks are back to that customer validation phase and making sure, you know, if, if founders don't understand the customer or the market well enough and they're not clear and honest with themselves, that's like a massive red flag. Companies close because they run out of money and they run out of money because they either can't raise money or they can't sell enough product. It's pretty basic business stuff, but when we're in this sort of messy start, we're trying to find these things. So that's where we just need that founder competence and that they've spoken to their customers and they have some indication and some signal that there is a market for what they're actually doing. Beyond that and beyond the the runway that we need them to have, we look at other things around the business and we try and minimise that during our engagement with the startups themselves. So getting them ready for a Series A means making sure that there's strong fundamentals around their governance, around financial reporting, around their internal systems, around frameworks and policies that they have in place. A lot of it's kind of a bit boring, for, particularly for technologists that want to just get out there and build product, but it's really important to have those sorts of things in place as you're growing, because if you start rapidly growing before those things are in place, they're the sorts of things that will sink you, you know, and you introduce things like, you know, poor team cultures as you're growing the team. Those sorts of things aren't often thought about at the early stage.
1: You mentioned there that, yes, there is a high failure rate, but there's also successes as well. So can you share some examples of successful Victorian ag tech investments that you've made and what, what were some of the key factors that contributed to their success?
0: I'll talk about SmartPaddock. That's a local company. I really describe them as a data collection and visibility company that's focused on farming and operational efficiency. But essentially what they are doing at the moment, their first products are ear tags and collars that allow farmers to track their animals in real time and analyse their behaviour as well. This is a hardware and software company that went through our first cohort in 2019 and has subsequently been developing their product, getting it out to farmers, raising more money, and have since actually started securing international contracts to supplying their ear tags. The design and manufacturer in Australia, the teams in Victoria, And this is a really hard thing to do as a small company because hardware is like capital intensive. And so the approach that they took was really great. You know, they built a prototype, a small version of this product. They started engaging with farmers. The founder had a background growing up on a farm in Canada and um, started applying some of his knowledge of, you know, what they went through when he was out here. And so just really deeply engaged with customers and the farmers that originally started adopting this are sort of your early adopter customers they're willing to put up with understanding that this is new technology they can see the benefit of it but they will sort of work with the startup to you know ensure that you know that what they're building is is right in the field you know there's a lot of challenges when you're putting technology on an animal that is roaming around the countryside and doing whatever they they want to do. So that product has to be fit for purpose. The technology then needs to be really accessible for the farmer. So they've just been slowly building out these prototypes and they're now actually recently received more significant funding to allow them to do their first sort of more mass manufacturing and production run. And so they're in the process of rolling that out now. So this is a really exciting opportunity, probably the best technology in the world for doing this sort of work, and also just opens up a world of more opportunities for creating efficiencies on the farm over time.
1: Guy, it's interesting that you mentioned Smart Paddock. I've had the pleasure of interviewing their CEO, Darren Walton, for another episode of AgTech Innovators. It's remarkable what they've achieved and especially that it's produced here in Australia.
0: They've had to be very innovative in the way that they've actually built the product. Making something that's really fit for purpose takes time, it takes dedication, it takes a lot of tenacity, patience and grit to be able to actually get it to the point where you can start mass manufacturing a product and selling it to a broad audience. And when you you can do that, you can also then start reducing the cost of that product. And then you've got good quality products and at a reasonable cost that more people in the industry can afford to put on more animals.
1: Guy, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are seeking funding for their own ag tech startup? And what are some of the common mistakes you think they should avoid in that process?
0: Yeah, sure. Well, it's an interesting thing. And I look at it with two lenses. One, I think about my business and how I need to talk about my business. And then the second thing is how I need to look at investors. So raising money, the process of raising money is a sales process. You're selling equity to investors and the investors are your customers in this process. So I would advise startups to treat fundraising as they would treat a sales process. So you create a a pipeline of your target VCs. You'd look for introductions. You need to make your pitch simple and clear. And you need to focus on the problem with a big market opportunity. So there's some sort of broad things that I would say. I guess more specifically about investors, some of the sort of pitfalls I would say is like not to approach investors too early. So you need to be at the right stage for the right investor. If you come in really, really early, any of the professional investors are going to realize that very quickly and ask you to come back when you've made more progress. So at that very, very early stage, you might be looking for investment from family and friends or maybe an angel network of groups, but not you know professional venture capital organization. I would ensure that I don't approach the wrong investors. So investors generally have areas of expertise and areas that they work with. Scalata Ventures is industry agnostic we mainly focus on the, the pre-series A stage, so we're the early stage, but across different industries. So looking for those sorts of companies or looking for investors that might be more targeted to agriculture, or if you're at the very, very early stage, looking for accelerator programs where you can go in and they will sort of nurture you through that much earlier stage. Make sure you research your investors so that when you go into that organization to pitch that you are speaking the language that they would expect to hear and that will make them feel comfortable with providing that that investment back with that feedback and on feedback just being really receptive and asking for feedback but what i want founders to do is ask the investors what would i need to do or what do i need to look like to make me investable for you then what you end up with is like sort of clear and concrete metrics or structures that they will look for for an investable company and until you ask that question you just won't know why you're not hearing back from them or not getting a clear no. And then obviously there's a lot of ways that you actually pitch your information but being really clear on who your customer is, how big the market is, why this is such a big problem, will they buy it, what have you tested and then coming and showing us that information.
1: Guy, you've given some great insights to actually how the process works and, and what an organisation like yours or similar looks for. You're a person who's probably spent most of your career looking firmly towards the horizon. What do you see that's exciting in the ag tech industry over the next five to ten years in terms of opportunities and challenges?
0: Wow, that's a I mean, that's a big question. I mentioned climate change earlier. That is the biggest challenge for humanity over the next 10 years. And I think that we are going to see the biggest capital injection the world's ever seen into solving this problem, or at least managing and dealing with it. Governments, private industry, they're just going to pour trillions of dollars into this. So that's obviously an opportunity for innovative companies and innovative people to actually start coming up with solutions to some of those problems. Access to technology has never been better. Technology that would have cost hundreds of thousands of dollars just five years ago is now accessible to just a broad range of people so it's really easy to start a business find a problem start solving it other challenges that we've got are things like our aging population and people living longer and putting more pressure on production systems and labor shortages so there's a lot of really large problems out there and when I look at large problems I also see great opportunities you know so any systems for improving the production and reducing labor requirements, you know, whether it's through robotics or drone technology, uh, improving animal welfare is going to be massive. There's going to be a big push around lab-grown meat over the next decade, and they're going to need to respond to that in a way over the next 10 years as well. And I think that the, the wonderful opportunities of Victoria and Australia, because we have such a steep history in agriculture, that we have the opportunity to actually leverage that history and that access to the markets and be able to foster innovation as long as there's enough incentives provided to make entrepreneurship a viable option.
1: Well, Guy, I really like your perspective there, and it's a positive way of looking at what we've achieved as a nation in the past and where we can go to in the future. But for now, though, Guy Franklin, Venture Partner with Scalata Ventures, thank you so much for sharing your insights and joining us for this AgTech Innovators Podcast. Thanks for
0: having me. Thank you for listening to AgTech Innovators. For more episodes in this series, find us and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on-farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne.